0: Hi, this is Dr. Michael Edelstein and Kevin Benbow, and we're REBT therapists. REBT is Rational Emotive Behavior Therapy, which has as its fundamental premise, our emotions don't come from situations as just about everyone supposes, but our emotions come from our thinking. So if you have undesirable Emotions, you uh, you can change your thinking and change your emotions. And if you have disturbed emotions such as anxiety, anger, depression, guilt, that comes from a particular type of thinking that's thinking in terms of demands. Musts should, supposed tos have tos. Demands we put on ourselves, others, and situations. And the um, psychologic in that is we start with strong preferences. I prefer to do well and get approval, and therefore I absolutely must. I have to do well in my life. Get your approval. And if I don't, then this means I'm no good. So we start with a must, with a demand, and we lead to a global evaluation. The second of the three global evaluations uh, comes from a demand on others, not on oneself. And that takes a form of, because I prefer you treat me well, kindly, courteously, routine, uh, lovingly, reciprocally. Therefore, you absolutely must and if you don't, this means you're a rotten person and I've just appointed myself your roaster and I'll roast you in hell in my, in my head. And that's anger, resentment, hostility. And then the third and final must is a demand not on others, oneself or others, but a demand on the impersonal conditions of one's life. And that takes a form of life must be fair, easy and hassle free. And if it's not, then I'll be miserable forever. I might as well commit suicide or lie down and bury myself. And uh, that's called low frustration or low discomfort tolerance. So as REBT therapists, Kevin and I help people identify their demands, their musts and shoulds, and we teach them how to change their thinking, which changes their life. Uh, Kevin is a uh, therapist, REBT therapist in Yuma, Arizona. Kevin, did you wanna say anything more about your practice?
1: Uh, Yeah, I'm uh, Kevin Benbow. And as Michael said, I'm in Yuma, Arizona, I see everybody uh, virtually so there are no face to face appointments available with me. Uh, Right now my schedule is uh, rather full and so I'm, I'm not really taking anybody new. I'm licensed in the states of Arizona and New Mexico, so uh, in order to uh, schedule an appointment with me, uh, if I am available, you'd need to be located in one of those states. If you reside in Arizona, I probably
0: take your insurance, so uh, keep
1: that in mind as well.
0: Okay, very good, and today we have the good fortune to have as our guest Grace Francis and. Uh, grace am I correct you're an anesthetician and that's one of your specialties but you're also interested in the psychological subject of forgiveness would you like to say more about yourself grace
2: uh, yes I'm a new author um, my book is the many faces of a bully abuse and addiction that we are created for healing and restoration and like you said I I'm also a licensed advanced esthetician in clinical aesthetics. And before that time, I worked in treatment centers and managed a group home for abused and addicted teens.
0: Okay, very good. Now, I think one of the things that interested me when we first spoke or I came across your work was I think we have a different view on where addiction comes from. And uh, as I mentioned, we believe our addiction comes from our thinking. So if you're addicted and you'd like to change that, then the fundamental thing is to identify the thinking that causes addiction and uh, change your thinking. Is that your view as well, Grace?
2: Uh, Absolutely. I'd like to share on that. I used to travel with a theater group Mm. and I opened at the mic and I said, More people are condemned to die in the prison of the heart and mind than in all the institutions put together, and I was one of them. And I shared at the mic how I overcame my own drug addiction and was set free. So it has totally transformed my life. That was many, many, many years ago. And so out of that change, it went Beyond transforming my thinking, I had to transform my lifestyle. So I think what you, you know, people say you are what you eat. Sometimes you are what you think. And I had to go about and and create a whole new avenue of thought.
0: I see. I see. Okay. Very good. So where would you say fundamentally addiction comes from?
2: For me, I was a food addict. Uh, it started after a molestation that I went, lived through and described in the book. But um, the food addiction uh, changed when my grandmother took me under her wings and showed me how to eat this and not that. And she helped me with portion control. She took away the dynamics of the fast food and processed foods. She actually paid me to lose weight when I was a child. She kept me for a summer. I was uh, basically overweight as a child and called many fat shaming names such as my nickname was Fatso. So so when she took me under her wing, she she transformed the outside of me, but inside I was still hiding a um, a molestation from a serial pedophile who actually went to prison, but I exchanged in high school because I never dealt with my thinking. I exchanged in high school, a food addiction for a drug addiction, and that covered up for a rape. And also three upper classmates coming to my house with a butcher knife meant for me for saying hi to a guy friend. And she hated me for that. So out of all of those, and I consider that a miracle that I lived through it and got out of that situation. And I talk about how I was divinely rescued from three girls with a butcher knife in this book. But that addiction, you have to get the to the backstory, you have to get to the core of what is making that addiction prosper. And it, for me, it was, I believe in therapy. And I saw a cognitive behavioral therapist. And I did the hard labor, the process of better out than in is my motto. I did the hard labor and I took time to address those issues. And then I put a new lifestyle in my head. And I think it takes faith to go through the journey of changing the way you think and um, being transformed.
0: Okay, very good. Kevin, did you have any thoughts on what Grace is saying? Uh, I, I, don't
1: really have uh, anything else to add. I, I, personally, I'd like to throw out there with addiction. Uh, one thing I could add with addiction is that, uh, uh, my experience has been, there is the thinking component, the, uh, the, the, the idea, the craves, the urges that I have to have what, uh, what I want to have. But then for a lot of substances, especially there is a physiological component. Uh, it's possible to be physiologically dependent on things like uh, benzodiazepines and not even know that you are until you try to stop using them, and then you can have seizures and all of that sort of thing. So, uh, and then of course there's the behavioral component that's uh, involved as well. We develop rituals around our substance use, and uh, I think I think the best approach for uh, addictions is those three together thinking, behavior, and then uh, also uh, medications and other uh, medical treatments when necessary.
0: Yes. Yeah, and you had mentioned the physical component, Kevin. Uh, So the way I look at a physical physical component, the physiology is this is an influence on your addiction or if you have emotional problems, anxiety, depression, or anger, uh, there are often physiological influences, but the bottom line is your thinking. And the key to overcoming these problems is by changing your thinking, even though you have these influences. Does that make sense?
1: It it makes sense. Uh, However, when we're talking about things, especially highly addictive substances like benzodiazepines, just stopping them cold turkey, you can find yourself in a very serious medical problem and so uh, there is a physiological dependence that's there uh, that can be completely apart from the thinking and so that' it's yeah, really yeah. important that we, we keep that in mind when we're working with
0: people with these kinds of problems yeah I agree I agree that there's a uh, physical physiological uh, addiction and that your body craves su- uh, substance when you stop it but there's also a psychological addiction. And that's Absolutely. what I are talking about. That's mm-hmm. where the musts and shoulds come in. Grace, did you wanna say something about uh, this?
2: I know that for myself, um, I changed. I did not only the thought process and change, I changed my atmosphere. I changed my friends. I let go of everything. And we're talking high school. Um, But I think you really have to delete your friends that would pull you down during that time. And you have to make some healthy choices to stay with a a program and stay with, you know, a therapist or a church or um, healthy friends. And absolutely don't go back into that territory unless you're called to do it.
0: Yeah, I think that's a good point. Changing your environment often helps in addition to addressing the physiological component, perhaps with medication, and uh, especially as Kevin and I emphasis and rational emotive behavior therapy emphasis emphasizes is changing your thinking. Uh, as far as uh, thinking goes, Grace, uh, you used a phrase that might um, disguise the thinking that's going on. Uh, A a phrase that I've heard quite often, and that's being called fat shaming names. And my uh, problem with that is that names can't make you feel ashamed. If that's what that expression means, maybe it doesn't. But names can't make you feel ashamed, but rather it's your thinking about names. If someone calls you fat, it's what you tell yourself about that. I need their approval. This is awful. I can't stand being called fat. That's really the bottom line and the main thing to change. Uh, would you agree with my uh, view of fat shaming, fat shaming names?
2: It takes a strong person to not let words eat at you. Um, for me, I mm-hmm. absolutely, um, you know, I call them labels. And you have to wear big girl pants, boy pants and say, I'm not those things. But if one other psychologist said for every negative thing that is said to you, you need eight positive things said to you. Some people don't have that much positive around them and they can let the negative eat them up. So it takes some training and gaining new skills to overcome and what I did, and I have 20 strategies in this book, but what I did for a while years ago is I put post its out around the house of positive sayings, positive affirmations, Bible verses, um, quotes. And that's what I went to bed seeing, and that's what I woke up seeing. And then I play positive music. Um, so I definitely didn't want the labels and fat shaming names to, uh, and actually there's has shaming too, believe it or not. And mommy shaming too, of all things, because, because when I w- was pregnant with my second child, I couldn't lose the weight. I put 50 pounds on and I couldn't lose the weight for five years until I dressed my diet. And I was called a matronly. Oh, You look so matronly here. I was like 30 years old lose the weight. And somebody's saying, I look old and matronly. So that actually bothered me a lot, but I worked at, you know, little by little, I couldn't lose the weight until I addressed the diet. I mean, does the label bother me today? Not one bit. And the labels of the past don't bother me at all. But I had to personally address my my diet back then and um, became more of a whole food type of lifestyle of eating with um, vegan slash flexitarian because between the food and the exercise, I overcame several health challenges, which made me a believer in that food can be medicine. And so back to the positive sayings, I think um, you have to put forth effort to create change.
0: Oh, yes, definitely put forth effort and also know what effort to put forth. Just putting forth effort is not necessarily going to change if you're, uh, your effort is barking down the wrong tree. Um, Can I throw
1: something out there? Yeah, right? please, please, Kevin. The, the effort is is really, I see that as important with everybody I work with. Uh, I, I hear uh, the concepts of rational motor behavior therapy are pretty easy to understand, which is uh, why I like it. Uh, the difficulty is not so much in the concepts as it is the application. It's, uh, it's kind of like, we all understand that going to the gym is going to help us lose weight, build muscle, that sort of thing. The problem is not understanding going to the gym. The problem is us getting motivated to actually do it, uh, I'm fortunate in that I sit here all day long and reinforce the concepts of REBT to people. And yet even so, and even though I have a pretty good handle on my emotions, uh, there are times when I'll experience an activating event and bam, out comes the uh, irrational imperative. And so it takes consistent, persistent, constant work that we apply for the rest of our lives. It needs to become a regular daily part of our routine to engage in the mental training to think rationally. So
0: it never ends, we never arrive. So I just wanted to throw that out there. Yeah, I think that's a very important point. And I think the three of us certainly agree on the key and essential aspect of effort, practice, and uh, discipline in changing. It's not easy. And uh, so when I talked about where, when someone feels ashamed, uh, when they're called fat, um, I'm not saying it's easy to change or it's easy to think differently. I was just looking at the causation, which is our thinking. Okay, I think we covered this to some extent. Any final words, Grace or Kevin?
2: Yes, Um, my final words are, that I just want to encourage your listeners that it's never too late for a new beginning, a fresh start, or to reinvent yourself and become all that you're meant to be. Uh, the reason why I bring that up is for working on this book. There are so many people that I've met that they're in their 70s or 80s and, or you know older, and they still have never dealt with their trauma or their pain. And there are answers today. And It's never too late for a new beginning. That's what I would love to say.
0: Okay, great, great. Kevin?
1: No, I like that. It's uh, never never too late to start. Uh, Quite often, uh, people, I think, they think I'm too far gone. There's no hope for me. We can start today. Even if you're 80 years old, we we can start today and go forward,
0: right? Yeah, I had a client who was uh, in her 80s and had a anxiety problem, and she worked on, the, on this approach and um, she significantly improved. So that's right, You're, it's never too late, it just takes motivation, effort, and discipline. Okay, well, thank you very much, Grace, for joining us and Kevin. Um, also, I'd like to mention while we're talking about books, I've, I'm author of Three Minute Therapy, Change Your Thinking, Change Your Life. So that's another book that I think would be helpful. And I have a few chap, few chapters on addictions in that. If you have any comments about this podcast, please write them below. Uh, put a like, thumbs up if you liked it. Suggest subjects volunteer to be a guest on our podcast it looks like grace survived and uh, donate to patreon to support us and subscribe to three minute therapy podcast to stay on the rational side of life